fifth week of a series entitled Choices. Choices about things that are foundational to who it is that God calls us to be as followers of Jesus. Things that are essential. Things that were at the core of who it is that Jesus was. And the things that he taught through word and example that he modeled in his life. Things like what we looked at the first week, making disciples. Jesus was always about that, and he gave us a commandment to do that. That's the truth that was looked at, Matthew 28. Things like praying, actually praying, taking the time to pray, and then not only actually praying, as was the example that's given through uh, Acts 2 church. We looked at that in Acts 2.42, but then how do we pray? What do we pray for? Jesus is teaching in Luke 11 truth about the foundational reality of needing to grow spiritually and that the early church again acts 2 was devoted to it we looked at verses in that passage acts 2 being right with god what we looked at last week truth out of second chronicles 7 truth about obeying about resisting temptation and just following and being right with the Lord, righteousness. Foundational to being a follower of Jesus. And I thought about all of those things and the things that we're going to look at not only today but next week as well. All truths, foundational truths that impact our lives greatly and the choices that we make in terms of their presence in our life and the fullness of them in our life. And I thought about painting a picture. See, all of those choices are a brushstroke on a canvas that paint a picture of something called our lives. All individual brushstrokes, the choices, but all there to create one big tapestry, one big picture of who it is that we are. And they all work together to communicate that. So all of those choices, incredibly important, as is the one that we're going to look at today. Yet another one that was there embodied by the Acts 2 church, one that Jesus speaks about very clearly and bluntly in Luke 9, verses 23 to 25, that we're going to look at later on in the message. But all about a central truth, a choice to be selfless or not. And so before we jump into that, something that I really hope that we always do, stop and think about what does it mean to be selfless? Selfless. And I didn't say selfish. That's the antonym, the exact opposite of selfless. But maybe that's the best way to define it, right? We, we know what selfishness means. It's all about me. It's all about my wants. It's all about my desires. It's all about what I get out of it. It's all about what benefits me. It's all about what's most important to me. That's selfishness. Selflessness is the exact opposite of that. So what does that look like for you? What does it mean to be selfless from day to day? It's an incredible truth. And it's something that Jesus shares. It's truth about 
foundationally being a follower of Jesus. Selflessness. Again, it's modeled in the Acts 2 church, and he speaks very clearly about it in his word in a number of places. Again, we're going to look at Luke 9 in just a few minutes. But I want you to take a minute and join with me in reading just a couple of verses out of Acts 2. We're going to read verses 45 to 47. So open up your hearts as you begin to think about, envision, picture, what does it mean to be selfless before God? Hear this word in truth, Acts 2, 45 to 47. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Some great truth in there. Great truth about selflessness. Can you see the snapshots? Look at those words and think a minute. Look at the first couple of lines. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Can you picture that? What does that look like? Maybe you see a picture of somebody who's taking a a lamb or a sheep and they're selling it so somebody else had something to eat. Maybe taking some of the food provisions they had in their house, giving it to somebody else so that they could eat. Maybe you see a picture of somebody who went into their house and they saw that they had extra cloaks and they heard that there was a stranger who didn't even have one, so they take that extra cloak and they give it to that neighbor. There's all kinds of ways you can envision that, giving to anyone as they had need. All kinds of visible expressions. I think we can think of all kinds of examples, but I I hope that we're able to go a little deeper because if all we do is look at those visible expressions, we see those snapshots, we really don't get to the place that God wants us to be. That's just scratching the surface. He wants us to go a little bit deeper to a place called our heart. And to think about what that looks like then in terms of being selfless and why it is that the Acts 2 church was doing that. And when you see the inclusivity of it all, so selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need, that's pretty broad stretched. I mean, we, we can think about that maybe here or there, random. You have that saying, random acts of kindness. But this was happening all of the time. Why is it happening? I'd suggest that there's three things at work. All that have to do with the heart. And the first one is this, that they were able to see people as God sees them. Seeing people as God sees them. That's why indeed they were able to be selfless. Because they saw people as God saw them. They saw people with God's eyes. I want you to think about the context of the Acts 2 church. This was a context where people didn't have a lot. We kind of get spoiled a little bit as North American Christians, right? We're pretty affluent. But this was a context where people were basically surviving from day to day. There weren't government assistant programs. There, there wasn't this understanding of entitlement because everybody knew that everybody had to work hard to be able to even survive. 
Now, you think about that and how people then are looking outside of themselves in terms of their own basic needs, and they're willing to meet the needs of other people. There's only one way they could do that. They had to stop and they had to look. They had to see. And I think that's one of the the things that is so um, prevalent today. We have a hard time with that. Two things at work in terms of seeing seeing with the eyes of God. One of them is just simply taking the time to look. Taking the time to look and to see people for who they are and who it is that God places in our hearts and in our lives. Somebody sent me a great definition of busy a week and a half ago. Being under Satan's yoke. And I think that directly related to selflessness in terms of of being too busy. We're we're always scurrying about having to do the things that we have to do. The the meeting of our needs, taking care of business for us that we just can't stop and look and see other people. Other people that God has placed in our lives, other people that we bumped into. But because we're so busy, we just go blowing right by them, right? We don't take the time to see who it is that they truly are and maybe some of the needs that they have. Really important, something that Jesus spoke about often and gives a tremendous example of with the woman at the well. Do you know that story? One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. I love a lot of them, I could say that. But it is, it's a great story. Just a brief recap, what happens in that story? Jesus and his followers have been walking all day. They're tired. They get to the edge of town. The disciples say, hey, we're really hungry. Paraphrasing a little bit. We're going to go in and get something to eat. So they leave. Jesus stays at the well. What happens? A woman comes way after when most women came. They came first thing in the morning when the water was cold. She comes later. And here's the deal. Jesus sees her. And he has a conversation with her. And she realizes who it is that he is. And the joy and the excitement of somebody taking the time, crossing all kinds of barriers, by the way. Jesus broke a lot of rules that day. Something that's not lost on the disciples. They come back. And they're wondering, why in the world is he talking to this Samaritan woman? For three reasons. One, because she was a woman. And in that day, men didn't talk to women randomly. It just, you know, hey, you're a guy, she's a gay. You shouldn't be doing that. Two, because he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. That would make you unclean. And you think of people that it might be seen as unclean to talk to today. I'm sure you've got a snapshot of that. And third, because of the timing that she was there. See, she was there to avoid all of the sneers. She had a checkered past. She didn't want to be called a tramp or a harlot. So she came later on. And, and you know, it, it, the cool thing about that story is they don't, they don't, it's not a cool thing, it's the truth, they don't see her. They walk up there, they're immediately got all these, like, what is he doing kind of things going on. 
Jesus gets it. He, he understands that they, they just are totally clueless. And I love what he says in, in, in verses 34 uh, and 5 in that chapter. Go and read it. So they come up there, they, they say all of that, and, and they ask him if he wants food. He says, my food is to do the work of my father. And they think, would somebody come and feed him? You know? And then he, he kind of, he didn't blow up, but he says, don't you get it? And this is a quote, open up your eyes and look. The fields are ripe with harvest. They're all around you. There she was. You missed it. You didn't see who she was. Please open up your eyes. And why did that happen? Because they were too busy thinking about everything else. So powerful to take the time and to look. Seeing people with the eyes of God. And that's what Jesus shares in that story and the woman at the well and others. Kingdom things. The end of that story is what? Half the town comes to know grace. Powerful, powerful, powerful. I'd submit to you that's what's happening when people are giving to others as they had need. They're seeing with God's eyes. And it's a heart thing. The second is this, and it comes out in verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Enjoying the favor of all the people. I'd submit to you that has a lot to do with what it is that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 22, verses 38 and 39, about greatest commandment. You know what it is? The two of them, right? The first one is what? Greatest commandment. Loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is what? Loving your neighbor as who? As yourself. Enjoying the favor of all of the people. What does that mean? It means that everybody was being a blessing to everybody else. I would submit to you that not only were they seeing people, but they were actually liking each other. And they were being a blessing one to another. Why? Because I think they had the love of God in their heart. You see the connection? And that's what it is that Jesus is sharing and teaching. And I think that's number two in terms of being selfless, loving people as God loves them. So, so there's thought of seeing people, but then loving them with the love of God. Not, not being hooked up on, again, so much, so much ingratiated to self, being self-absorbed, but actually seeing people and having your heart stirred for them. I, I think about that even in terms of what does that look like in our setting here this morning. So one, one of the things that is very important that from the time that, that people pull into our parking lot and come in for worship, and worship is your greatest connect event, that, that they, they truly believe that people are being genuine and want them here, that they're glad that they're joining 
with us this morning to worship the great Lord our God. And I have to tell you, it doesn't happen. I would hope that it would happen just instantaneously. It's something that we can work towards. But there's a lot of intentionality that goes into that. And it doesn't mean that it's work. It means that that's something that we're not losing sight of. And so what does it mean maybe to love on people, to see them when they walk in, to maybe a warm smile, a genuine welcome, taking time to to greet them, rather wondering if you're going to get a cup of coffee or not. I'm just being honest. There's all kinds of things. And a piece that goes along with that has to do with who it is that's doing that. And I want you to think about this. Because we are, we're very intentional about it. Connect team, lots of efforts made. And one of the things that I share sometimes about that that, that people get a little bit frustrated with is, is I, I, I really want to be there to do that, but it's way better if you do. Why? Because I'm the hired hand. People sometimes, after they find out I'm the pastor, this kind of thing kind of gives it away. It's like, well, that's your job, right? That's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I genuinely want to greet people. But what would it look like if everybody did that? If, if everybody who walked in here enjoyed the favor of who? All the people, you see? It's a big difference It's a whole different outlook in terms of how we're seeing things and who it is that we're being. And I submit to you, it it goes to a heart matter, a heart matter of seeing people with the eyes of God and then loving people as God loves them. And that's just the start of it all. Then we go further yet in terms of connecting and building relationships what does that look like? What does that mean? If you were to go into, into the verse in the middle, there's truth about that. It says, every day they continued to meet together in temple courts, and then this, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. There's been all kinds of studies done on churches and on church, church health and church vitality And at one level, maybe I've read and studied too many of them, but there's not one single church study that says that a healthy church is is a church that has this piece missing. In other words, all of the churches that were viewed at and rated as healthy and vital had this element of it. You know what it is? A vital small group ministry, life groups. Why think about what's going on here in the Acts 2 church? That shows the significance of it. Being together in people's homes. Eating bread, breaking bread, learning, praying, caring. So even when you think about jobs and responsibility, if it goes into every single person's heart, isn't that far better? I always said that, all you're doing is multiplying the numbers when everybody has a heart for other people and they care for them. It, it changes the landscape of who it is that a church is being. I just had this week, I, God is so good, an unsolicited um, encouragement of small groups. 
person said to me, I, I went and, and saw him in a whole different compa- capacity other than, than church stuff. I said, you know what? I, it was so cool, uh, our life group. So it started meeting with him, really didn't want to, was honest about that. And said, but what has happened is just incredible. I know these people. They pray for me. We lift each other up. We get into God's word. We pray together. Didn't expect that. I'm like, I don't know what you expected, but it's awesome, isn't it? It's great. It's also verse 46. It's also about selflessness. Getting there. Seeing people loving each other. Profound and powerful. Two things. And then the last part, being selfless. See, we can see people. We can have our hearts stirred for them, but if that's as far as it goes, we come up short. It it takes action. It takes movement. It can't just be an emotion. I, I love that, what you shared about the middle school retreat and the speaker, not just being a fan, but being a follower. What does that mean? It talks about action. It talks about intentional choices, about living it out, about moving in that direction. Serving and sacrifice, all different kinds of things. And you know, it's no accident. I'm not surprised anymore by how God coordinates things. So, series and the content of it four months ago, month of just a few weeks ago, we get this book, Thirsty Devotional. This week, this week, one of the days was day 18. Do you know what it was titled? Thirsty to Die to Self. Here's a, a statement on page 82. When my will opposes God's will, I have a decision, a choice. To follow Jesus or follow myself. God versus self. Because here's the thing. This is as black and white as it gets. Jesus is going to speak about this in just a minute in Luke 9. The opposite of the kingdom of God is the kingdom of me. And I'd submit to you that that's a problem today. We live in a world where culture thinks everyone's entitled and it's all about me. And that has crept into the church. There are a lot of churches that are existing for themselves. I think of what Jesus shared in parables and stories in Luke 15. Are you familiar with it? Three stories, three parables. A parable about a lost sheep, a parable about a lost coin, and a parable about a lost son. And what Jesus shares in all three of those stories is there is every effort made, no stone unturned, to find the lost, whether it's the lost sheep the lost coin or the lost son. 
all-out abandonment of everything else to recover the lost. Are you hearing something in terms of selflessness? See, it wasn't about the sheep in the pen. They were safe. Put it into kingdom terms. They knew Jesus. They were set. The Heavenly Father had revealed himself to them. But what about that lost sheep? It's so important to get it right as a follower of Jesus and as a body of Christ. So here's something that we put into our policy manual. It's on page six. It's right underneath our mission statement. It's right at the front of the policy manual for anybody to read, but for the leadership to look at. You see what it says. Mission statement, winning people for Christ, equipping them to serve. I hope you all know that. But this is what we put underneath it. The purpose and the import of that. Everything we do, every decision, every ministry, every action is to be weighted against and grounded in this mission statement. It's our God-given purpose, our reason for existence. And everything we do must help us strive to fulfill it so that we can impact the very kingdom of God and bring him glory and honor. We don't want any leader, anybody serving in leadership to miss it, to understand why it is that we gather on Sunday, why it is that we have youth group, why it is that we have children's ministry, why is it, why is it, why is it life group. It's got to be strikingly clear. It's not about us. It's about him and it's about others. Do you know the words of Jesus in Luke 9? You will when I read them. Verses 23 to 25. See, Jesus wanted his followers from the get-go to get that. To understand that following him meant giving up yourself. Listen to what he says. Words will be on the screen. Luke 9, verses 23 to 25. Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves and take up my cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whatever loses their life for me will save it. And then these words, What good is it for a person to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? That's pretty blunt. That's pretty clear. Denial. Sacrifice. What does it mean? See, we go all the way back to the start of today's message. I ask you to think about what does it mean to be selfless? That's the question Jesus wants you to answer. What does it mean to save your life by losing it? Self-desires, self-wants. What does it mean to take up a cross? Jesus' cross. Sacrifice, serving, giving away everything. I 
I shared the story of the woman at the well. You can go to the rich young ruler, woman caught in adultery, all different kinds of stories, encounters that Jesus had. When he was willing to not only give up a part of himself, but to share truth and grace about what it means to follow God. And in all those stories and in a lot of different encounters, he doesn't give people what they want. He gives them what they need. It's so powerful. Something that goes beyond those surfaceful things to the very heart of the matter. And that's what he asks us to do as followers of him. What good is it for somebody to gain the whole world? Think about that. And lose themselves. See, we don't, we don't think of it that way often, right? We think of self in terms of gaining in the world. Jesus looked at things pretty differently. And it's how he hopes you and I look at the world and ourselves as well. That we're willing to be selfless instead of selfish. It's a choice. We'll either be selfless, selfless, or not. Humility, gratitude, faith all play into it. All the brush strokes. Think about it some more. Pray on it. And let the Lord lead you. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, um, none of us could be honest and say this isn't a problem for us. Lord, I see so many good things, so many ways in which people are being selfless. So many ways that we could go so much further in our hearts and in our lives to make everything about you, about your kingdom, about winning people for Christ and equipping them to serve. Every single facet of ministry, every single facet of our lives, God, work on us. Help us to be asking. Help us to be seeking. Help us to knock on the doors that you want us to knock on the door of our heart. May it open up wide to the choice of being selfless. This we ask in your holy and your precious and your awesome name. Amen.